6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. podcast is brought to you today by Leadway Financial Solutions. Are you a U.S. small business in need of funding? Leadway Financial Solutions can get you funding in as little as one day. Only an application and three months bank statement is all you need to get started. The requirements include a minimum of a 500 credit score, only six months time in business, only 10,000 in monthly deposits, and no collateral is required. Visit Leadway Financial Solutions for all of your financial needs. Once again, visit LeadwayFinancialSolutions.com today. Welcome to another episode of Transparency Talks Podcast. We have an amazing show for you guys today. But before I bring on our amazing guest, I want to tell you guys, make sure that you are elevating your mind. I understand that it is now COVID is happening, but the weather is breaking and people feel like they they want to get out more. And I understand that here in Atlanta, people are freely going around places. But please make sure that you wear your mask, you're washing your hands, you're using hand sanitizer, doing everything that you can and elevate your mind. Go out for walks. Do things creative. I'm reading a very good book called Getting Undressed from Paralysis to Purpose right now by David Cooks. Also, make sure you guys check out my book. It's called Fear of Failure, Fear of Not Trying. I did become an Amazon bestseller within seven hours. So make sure you check that out. So without further ado, I would like to bring on author Michael Scott Grant. How are you doing today? Great. Thanks for having me, buddy. Thank you for being here. Now, can you give our audience a little background about yourself? Yeah, I'm a writer from Los Angeles. I grew up in Detroit. And, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to talking about the the new project. It's quite controversial and uh, uh, a really interesting story that's so timely and so relevant right now, especially with the Chauvin trial going on. Great. Okay. So what led you to create your book? Your book is called Mahala Men. Um, yes. Before before I get into what led you to create it, what what led you to create the title? How did you come up with the title? Well, um, I'll briefly describe the book. It's about a magician okay. that the police officer, and he uses him to close cold cases. Tends to be a psychic, and he he turns the tables on the police in terms of due process um, throughout the book. He even starts dating the cop's wife. So it's uh, it's quite a ride. You're. Um, on page one, he's interrogating the officer. There's no long buildup. The action starts right away. Um, and then it just goes crazy from there. Uh, the ending is an unbelievable cliffhanger. And uh, what led me to write the book was just watching T 
TV and feeling so frustrated at, at the lack of anything being done to the police in terms of their accountability. And people were picking up signs and weapons, and I picked up a pen and I wrote this book, Mulholland Men, um, to, to, to give the BLM a, 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 another voice, to be a cheerleader for them. You know, I'm not trying to be the white savior, I just want to be a voice for the movement and in the larger uh, realm of police brutality, which affects everyone, of course. And uh, it, it's called Mulholland Men um, because it was based on the magician John Mulholland, uh, who wrote a CIA manual called the Official CIA Manual of Deception and Trickery, wherein he taught spies how to use magic to affect their spycraft, like using sleight of hand to poison people or making drops, and, you know, etc. So that's a book that you can actually read. So this is sort of based on that, and that's why I called it Mahalanand. Okay, okay. Now, have you always been a writer? Uh, since 97, I started doing stand-up. But, I mean, I've been, you know, funny my whole life, contextually. So I had a girlfriend that urged me on stage, and uh, it worked out well. I, I, I was doing a strip tease. So every time I told oh. a, a joke, they laughed, I'd take off a piece of clothing. And if they didn't laugh, I'd put one on. Oh, okay. That sounds interesting. And so I got a lot of standing ovations because it was funny and, you know, everyone's having a good time with it. And so um, I came out to Hollywood and I, you know, I wanted to be a um, stand-up. And so I was doing a lot of uh, contests, you know, with some, some guys who are pretty famous now. And that's what we were trying to determine how, you know, where we stood in, in the, uh, the hierarchy. And, and that's really what I'm doing with Mulholland Men. I'm traditionally a screenwriter, but... Uh, they're just not buying anything except superhero stuff, and I feel like uh, you know this, this is uh, such an original story in that there's never been an American literature piece about a kidnapped police officer. Believe it or not, not that I know of. Nope. So um, yeah, I mean it, it's quite a, a read. As you can see, as I'm describing it, weaves in and out of reality and story. They talk mm -hmm. about the CIA MK Ultra program. And that's a big part of the plot line for some of these cases that he starts to uncover and where they lead to. Um, it's not like a, you know, like a true government crime thing. It's more just like you know, a story. It's a fictionalized story based on um, this magician's mysterious past. Got you. Okay. So, what makes a good thriller book like this? Well, for me, I like that there's action right away. Um, there's not like car chases in this. It's not that kind of book. Um, you know, it's it's, uh, it's a fun read though. Like, um, there's a scene where uh, he's talking to the the cop and the magician named Brewer, and he says to the cop, you know, um, here's your steak, and, and the cop's like, steak? I'm not. This how you're gonna poison me tonight? And he's like, no, this is your reward. You, your information came up clear. We caught that guy. And here's your reward. So he doesn't trust him. He says, well, cut away any pieces you want and I'll, you know, eat them, you know. And then he's like, oh, sure. Then I wipe my face with the napkin and pass out. And so wipes his, you know, face with the napkin. He's like, see, nothing. Eat the freaking steak. So uh, he eats the steak and passes out two seconds later. Uh, Brewer, had soaked, <laughs> Brewer had soaked the knife handle in the night-night juice, the wooden knife handle. So, uh, you know, there's fun scenes like that. And, um, like, you know, he's torturing the guy just psychologically. He's not trying to hurt him, but, you know, he's playing KRS. 
and NWA and Ice P and Ice Cube and you know all like you know the the, the anti cop you know uh, uh, propaganda and uh, just you know really messing with the guy and he's like oh yeah sure I get it yeah shit music shit food shit air shit company he's like I'm killing you as soon as you turn your back and Brewer says hey, and you think you got a tough job. Wow. <laughs> I, actually, this book really sounds amazing and, and, and sounds like something that has a lot of twists and turns in it. I, oh, I definitely yeah. haven't heard a book that <laughs> kidnaps a police officer. And then you're a magician, so you, of course as magicians, they're playing with people's minds and, and everything. But what I, what I really like about what you said is that, you know, he's really great to use, use the cop to start breaking some cold cases. And that's even a twist, you know, in itself again. So this this definitely sounds interesting. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's um, a, a great scene where, you know, they're arguing over the Black Lives Matter issues, which mm-hmm. I tried to integrate into the story. So I, I did it like this. Um, the, the, the cop says, uh, oh, you're referring to community policing? You know, be nice to black old ladies day? And Brewer says, yeah. Yeah, the ones that pay the taxes that you have a salary from. Where do you think all your paychecks come from? All the black families you've destroyed under the guise of law and order? They put up a collection plate for all you poor white policemen? Wow. He wants to change this cop. He wants, he's just sad that they don't come out of the box with integrity and honesty and bravery. We shouldn't have to change them. They shouldn't have to be thistle, you know, malleable. Are these characters based on any real-life people you personally know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And all, all writers. <laughs> they lie if that's not true. You, you're coming up with like 10 different people and motivations and, you know, their problems that they have to overcome and arc with. I mean, it's just constant, as you know. I mean, I'm clearly so jealous to hear that you have a best-selling book on Amazon. Um, I have two books right now on Amazon. One of them is Mulholland Men. And then I also wrote a funny one. It's called uh, How to Have a Threesome, or if you're a loser, how to get just one. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Your titles are amazing. Yeah. <laughs> they're, 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 they're catchy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's really fun because it's just like a, a step-by-step guide on how to go about having one. And I even tried to update it for COVID because I wrote this in 07. And I wanted to just release it digitally because it did you know, pretty well underground you know, amongst like, you know, friends and it works. It really does work. I mean, I've had a cardiopulmonologist say, I don't have time to date, Mike, but I had three in two months. And I was like, wow, mm-hmm. wow. Um, but there's silly lines in there. Like, um, you know, you'll, you'll see a lady with a dog and, you know, you might remark, is she friendly? And the lady says, no. And you say, well, I was talking to the dog. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Stuff like that. Um, and, you know, it's just uh, great lines. Like, there's another funny line I always like to uh, re represent. It's when you're talking to your significant other, maybe she's a little interested or he's a little interested in the threesome. And, you know, you, you say, oh, it really wouldn't be fair to the other person me not able to take my eyes off you the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, uh, yeah, it's just a fun blueprint for post-COVID sex. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. 
So why do you think people seek out good thrillers? Well, just, you know, the escapism, um, sometimes to be informed, uh, you know, boredom, COVID complacency. You know, and uh, if you read something like mine, you know, this isn't spoon-fed stuff. I mean, you're going to have to, you know, you got you to follow it. But it's going to teach you how to think a little differently. Uh, it's going to make you smarter. If you've never heard of neuro-linguistic programming, you're going to learn a little bit about that. You're going to learn about what mind control is and how easily manipulated people are. And, um, you know, you're going to, I hope you're going to fall in love with, with my characters. I, I spent a lot of time developing them. I even worked with some RNs and a social worker to get the, the battered woman right, who's the uh, police officer's wife. And um, I'm going to be making a donation from the sales on Mulholland.com to Black Lives Matter, National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, and United Way. So 5% out of gross goes to them, gross profits. And uh, I'm hoping to give back. And, and those are three different elements in the book that really can be addressed. I know there's maybe more or less important things, more subjective causes, but for me, it was just the origin of the story that brought that about. Now, your book has a unique storytelling device and format. Can you explain how you created this and why? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, as I'm a traditional screenwriter and, you know, stand-up, um, I'm used to writing succinct, concise, you know, like quick word, like, you know, I'm Jewish, 20% off, you know, with the scissors. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we have to write concise, fast stuff. When you're novelizing, it's, you know, the narrative is expository, so you have to, you know, expand, expand, expand. So for me, I, I got to have fun with that. But the, the, the book itself is really a hybrid of screenwriting and a novel. And you're going to mm -hmm. feel like you're reading a movie. It's a little different, it, but it's, it's, you know, I, I took the time to, look, you know what Detroit looks like, right? Yes. Okay, I don't need to spend 20 pages telling you it's gritty. That's what makes a good thriller, you know. Um, put the time into the emotional punch and the plot. My plot twists are, you know, that he's even dating a, you know, the prisoner's wife is something else because yeah. I think the number one rule for kidnapping a police officer is don't bang the merchandise's wife if you don't want to get caught. Okay. <laughs> so, um, you know... Uh, it's such a fun ride. You're really going to just, you won't be able to guess the ending, which from, you know, what I understand, that's what novel readers really like. Mm -hmm. So what would you say is your process for writing? You know, coming up with your title first, coming up with your concept first for this, or what was your process? Yeah, I get, I just get an idea. Like, I'm developing stuff all the time, different things, ideas for shows. I, I'm trying to develop some reality shows out here, and I've had some deals that are stuck in the haze right now, so we'll see mm -hmm. what happens. But my, my process is really quite easy. It won't let me go. It gets in my brain, it burrows in there, and it, it affects everything I do. So for me, the idea of... I wonder why no one's ever written a book about kidnapping a cop, because I'd sure like to go do that right now, watching <laughs> these guys beat the hell out of the protesters that are paying their salary and right. pepper spray citizens. But the right wing, oh, they can come in with pitchforks and guns into the nation's capital, and it's like, welcome in, fellas. 
So that and idea got in my um, that you know once it's in there, it just it won't let me sleep. Now I'm writing a treatment. Now I'm writing the first chapter. Now I'm talking about ideas for characters, and then it just bleeds out of me. And then what I do is I use a lot of cannabis and go in and really punch it up. So I wrote this great scene, for example, where uh, I call it the Mulholland safe. It's a safe within a safe. In other words, the, the, the door of the safe is mounted. There's a mini safe on it, right? And as it closes, it closes the mini safe inside. So how do you break into the outer safe if you have to break into the inner safe to get to the outer safe? So Brewer says, let's take it for a swim. Well, Interpol didn't think of that. CIA didn't think of that. FBI didn't think of that. But they sure want what's in that safe. So he right. dunks it in the water. They hear kachung kachung as the water-soluble metal bar on the inner safe dissolves. They pick up the safe, pops open, and there's what they needed. And Brewer walks on that charge. Because that's how it works in the government with justice. Both sides get to break the law, but only one side gets to declare victory. Mm-hmm. It sounds like your book is, is definitely deep. And if people read, when people read it, they'll really get a, a truth, you know, right in their face of reality of what's really happening. Right. Like, you know, they, they say, uh, you know, you got guns? He says, we got guns. But the, the public has 10 times more guns than the police. That's a short war. And he says, guns don't stop Blackhawks, buddy. And Brewer has to say to them, see, this U.S. never can lose mentality is why we always lose. It used to be reserved for jocks and frat boys and insecure celebrity presidents. But now every sissy cop can't be subjected to the least amount of danger without first firing his service revolver in fear. All the wrong people have the guns in this country, and all the wrong people have the money in this country. Yeah. yeah. But see, they made yeah. it their world. It's not ours. If one of me, if me and brother goes missing, oh, you know, well, well. But if a cop goes missing, that's helicopters and surveillance and resources and manpower and dragnets. And then we just get yeah. the bill. Yeah. We Definitely. just get the bill. So I am very curious about, so he's dating the imprisoned cop's wife. Yeah. How, how yeah. does that, one, how does that happen and, and what happens? Like, I want to know what happens when he finds out that his wife are, is it his wife or is it, yeah, his wife is dating yeah. the kids after. Yeah, uh, it's, it's really something else. Like I said, it's. Here's a battered woman who falls in love with this magician who could possibly return daddy to the little girl, right? Mm -hmm. um, I guess Bam 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 is better than not knowing, you know, where he is in right. her mind. And so um, she completely falls in love with this guy. I mean, he's everything her husband McClaskey wasn't, you know. And uh, so, of course, you know, there's a whirlwind affair builds. I wrote it really sexy, not filthy, but sexy. And mm -hmm. uh, um, it's, you know, it, it, the, the love interest in it is so great. Like, um, you know, uh, like, let, let, me, let me give you a, a good uh, thing here. He says, uh, a poem he sends her 
to save their doomed relationship. He says, I'm not a cheater, I'm not a beater, not a penis eater, I carry no heater, I'm no Derek Jeter, got an average Peter. I always say I don't need her, then I teeter. I know of no one sweeter, she's off the meter. Thanks. Yeah, so they're going to go up and down, but, you know, in the end, these are comets, and neither the comet wants to leave their orbit, you know, go back to nothing, stuckness, paralyzation. You know, they've, they've merely tried on a different color of the same emotion, fear, and they each float on in the suspension. Mm-hmm. But you'll learn that Laura, or uh, her name is Lara, and you'll learn that her and her husband are the key to something much bigger in Brewer's Cast. Okay. okay. Can't give away anything from Act 3 because it really spoils a lot. It's such a right. blast, Act 3, including an amazing finale with a, a motorcycle jump where it explodes in the middle of, you know, the jump and he disappears. There's this actually sounds th- like it's... I'm sorry to cut yeah. you off. This actually sounds oh. like it's going to go from book to on the screens. <laughs> on the movie screen yeah, that's what it sounds I, like I, I hope so everyone always hopes so um, I do intend to have a second and third book um, based on the last page which will really just take your breath away um, and uh, you know we'll see what happens I really do feel it's more suited toward a 10 part TV show just because you know no one goes to the movies although I did watch Coming to America 2 today hysterical and uh, you know I watched it on Prime or Amazon or whatever and uh, really had a great time laughed a whole bunch really really mm-hmm. took me back love that stuff um, so uh, yeah um, I'm, you know like I said I'm just I'm, I'm trying to put something out there that uh, has never been done but make it fun like to give this this difficult subject matter some brevity because it's heavy you know I mean mm-hmm. this, this is the kind of thing where you're escaping but you're not escaping because you're in it you know, and um, you know it's just it's just so much fun. The editor gave it, the first two editors gave it back to me and said we don't want to do it. We, it's fine, just leave it alone. And I was like, nah, I got to polish it. My first one out, you know. So it's right. been polished a little, and I feel it's it's quite a good read. And um, you know, um, there, there's much more to come, more surprises to come. But the uh, the cliffhanger, um, yeah, it, it's so difficult to predict. So just enjoy it. Take, let it take you, you know. It's one of those. Right. Okay. Now, how did you actually get into writing? And would you, what would you say to someone that's trying to get into writing but they're scared to, you know, start? Okay. So I, I talk about this people all the time. I always try to help writers. Um, we, it, this is a community out here in Hollywood. It's competitive, but you need help. So my best advice to aspiring writers is to just write a journal because that, over time, will show you beginning and middle of end. And that's what story structure is. Act one, act two, act three, right? Mm-hmm. Something shouldn't happen, but it does. And then there you are in that world. And then, you know, everything's going fine, but it's not. And, you know, at, at the end of the story, everything's resolved, except it's not till the very last, you know, with the denouement. But that's what the journal teaches you, is how to go from um, the movement in the story and, and track it over time, which we call the arc, essentially. So uh, learn that, and then of course, take classes and read books. 
God, do you know how much reading I did in the LA library when I could be out in the sun swimming and, you know, mountain bike? And I'm sitting in the library reading, you know, designing your third story, you know, third act story structure so that it doesn't fall apart. You know, and it's like, but you have to suffer for this. Writing's so lonely and boring. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the only reason I started writing later in life was I was having so much fun in my early life. You know, I was going to, I was touring with the Grateful Dead for years, you know, and I was a wild kid. You know, I lived in LA and, and Detroit. So, I mean, I was like bi-coastal pretty much. So, I mean, I was just having a blast, you know? And so now the writing is all about those experiences, you know, like um, my, the way I had my way with this judge in my Oakland County area. You know, and you'll read about that, and you're like, wow, I don't think anyone's ever gotten away with that before and not gone to jail. But you're going to find that that's the kind of person I am. I, um, I'm, I walk the line between both sides very often. And, you know, when you have that liaison kind of ability, um, <laughs> neither side likes you, but both sides love you. Right. You're necessary. You know, someone's got to make the gang stop fighting. You know, someone's got to put together a neighborhood, you know, group. There's, you know, you always have to, there's got to be an impetus for something. And whatever your cause is, great, get behind it. My cause is, it, lately is um, the fact that we don't have 20 more damn cities to go up in flames if these cops walk. That's my issue. And I don't want L.A. to go up. We're already a tinderbox. So we, the, the government has to get the message that, um, you know, if you couldn't stop a thousand guys from storming the Capitol, where are we? Right. I agree. This is the superpower. Yeah. This, we, this is the trillion dollars that we spent on a defense budget, but we can't defend the number two building in the country. Right. Really? It's, it's, it's definitely a touchy subject because, you know, being a part of the BLM, Black Lives Matter, um, you know, it, it hits different because we, we unfortunately don't have the support that we would like to have that other people do have, if that makes any sense. So it, it, you mean specifically it's the BLM, BLM yes. versus other civic groups? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's, you're getting, you guys are getting, you know, s on by the right wing. That's all. And listen, um, it doesn't matter. Listen, you de- never detract from you. I don't let, I, every time I meet a girl, I'm like, who are you letting judge you? You know, I start empowering people right away. That person, they work it quick and who the hell are they? You know, <laughs> like, you know, you, you always have to put things in perspective sometimes, you know, um, and that's the case, you know. You defend your your cause. I'm I'm glad that you're active in it. I'd like to be more active in it. Um, you know, for me, it was like um, I, I feel like George Floyd was writing this book, and Breonna Taylor was writing this book, and Ahmad. These are the people that are writing this book through me in a way. It's I don't want to sound like a dick. You know what I mean? And I'm not trying to mm-hmm. sound smarmy, but I really do feel like inspired by those depths. Those senseless, purposeful deaths, that inspires me. 
Do you collaborate with other writers? I try to, but, you know, uh, it's very tough to find a real good partner. Uh, mm -hmm. That's why so many people do it alone, probably 80% do it alone. Um, I, I, I do have a, a thing with uh, one of my good friends we wrote for ESPN called Sport Check, which is really cute. It's about this knucklehead Michael Scott of the office type who doesn't know a thing about sports, but don't tell him that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they start calling him sport hack behind his back. <laughs> so, you know, there's some, there's some fun stuff out there that I've worked on with other people. Um, but for this book, I, I, this was my real sink or swim moment. Like I said, it's really just about, look, you guys either like the stuff or I'll stop writing. <laughs> it's your call. <laughs> you know, I'll get the message because it's the first time I've really put anything out there publicly. I've been behind the scenes plenty. I've worked on developing television shows and I'm recalcitrant to name them anymore because, you know, they got lifted mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's kind of happened. But I'm hopefully going to have a nice little comeback with this, um, you know, story and then, um, you know, get, get some push behind the other great shows that I have, uh, including one of them is Bully Control, which... When I met Shaquille, he said, I'm really busy, but I would love to host that show. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, that okay. Awesome. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, he, I wish I could get his, you know, attaching his name to this kind of stuff. It would sell like that. But in Bully Control, I take bullies from high school and their victims from high school. And I put them in a room today and, uh, you know, with a social worker, protect everything. And um, what I do is the hook is I've invited the adults bullies children to watch behind the two-way mirror to see how dad handles his old victims thereby mm. breaking that cycle or not mm -hmm. so there's wow. some great stuff i'd like to get made out there i got another show called 2020 love where all you see are the person's eyes but the mm -hmm. audience sees everything else the wheelchair the amputation the burn the acne the scars wow. <laughs> That's that's a fun a, show. Those are both great concepts. Yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, NBC Comcast was interested in that show, and it's still up in the haze somewhere, but the advertisers love it because you can vote at home because mm -hmm. the show's split in half. The first half of the show is last week's conclusion, and the second half you have to tune in next week for. So I'm forcing right. loyalty. Brilliant. And the advertisers love it because now old ladies that want to get involved in people's love life at home can. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Who's getting hurt? Right. Some guy's a dick, you know, you give him the wheelchair chick that he says, I'll never date a wheelchair chick. Then that's who he right. gets. So you're off the right. show. <laughs> Great concept. Good stuff. Yeah, definitely good stuff. And this Mahalik Man definitely sounds like a, a great book that everyone needs to go out and get right now. So how can people get in contact with you and where can they purchase your book? Yeah, you can go to um, Amazon for both of the books. Or you can go to my site where I'm giving the donations away. Um, the, that is at mulhollandmen.com. Or just type in the title of the book, Mulholland Men, and it'll find the website. And then, uh, you know, check it out, see what you think. And, uh, um, you know, we'd love to, to get as many sales as possible. We want to get as many reviews up there as possible. Um, you know, I, I, I understand that this is my first, you know, uh, launch and so I encourage people to um, 
help the writer. Don't worry about hurting my feelings. I'm a big boy. But the writer needs his feelings hurt so he can get better and fix this. And that's the key. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, more advice for aspiring writers. Don't write 350 pages before you let someone read 10. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I would like to thank you so much for coming on Transparency Talk podcast, Mr. Michael Scott Grant. And again, you can get the book on Amazon and also at Michael Scott Grant's website. And can you give us the website again? Sure. It's Mulholland Met. So it's M-U-L-H-O-L-L-A-N-D-M-E-N. And in closing, I would just say, um, the teaser to the book is, what's the worst thing about kidnapping a cop? Living with him. (laughs) I think that's great. I appreciate you for having me. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. And for everyone helping spread the message, you get my triple kiss and long, long, long. Thank you so much. (laughs) All right. And for that, with that, everybody, we are out of here. Talk to you guys later. Thanks again to our sponsors at Leadway Financial Solutions. Visit them today at leadwayfinancialsolutions.com.